Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for worship already, God. Thank you for the sweetness of your spirit, Lord. And God, thank you for today. Just as Zach prayed, God, thank you for the breath of life. Lord, that today we can wake up to seek you. We can wake up to find you. We can wake up to hear from you and come to church, Lord. And so, God, I ask for your spirit to speak and your spirit to move upon us and to, to be here, Lord. God, may we feel your presence. May we feel your touch. But most of all, may we hear your voice, Lord. God, we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come now to our final message for this series that we've been doing. You remember, it's called, When Tragedy Strikes a Fallen World. We are on part four. Now, last week, Pastor Ron from Calvary Hilo came, and he happened to have the same title in his message, but it went along with everything that we've been talking about here in the past weeks. Now, I just felt led with everything that's been happening, uh, what happened on Maui, the fires up here uh, in Lahaina and all that. We would talk about this, that we would see what the Word of God says, that we would understand when tragedy strikes a fallen world, that we have questions. And maybe they're in your heart or mind. Maybe you don't vocalize it. Maybe you hear it from people, from other people. Ask these questions. And so if you remember, we started out with our first question weeks ago. Why did God allow this disaster? And then the next week we went into why do bad things happen to good people? And then last time we were in this series, why is there so much suffering and pain? So we covered all of that. I don't want to take time to get into that. If you missed it, go back uh, to our, our, our uh, uh, YouTube channel or Facebook. You can catch a message and a worship there or, or catch our podcast. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and you'll find the messages right there. So today we come to part four or number four. The last question I really want to cover is why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God answer my prayer? I don't know. Maybe you've struggled with that personally. Maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe you come in today or maybe you're logged online and you come in and you're like, oh God, I've been praying, praying. How come you didn't answer my prayer. And it's sort of tweaking you. It's sort of frustrating you. It's, it's, it's causing you to even doubt God and even praying. I read about a boy. He was heard praying before going to bed, saying in a frustrating tone, he prayed, Dear God, let me tell you that auntie still hasn't gotten married. That uncle hasn't had any work still. And you know what? Daddy's hair is still falling out. <laughs> I'm getting tired, he prayed, of praying for this family without getting any results. Maybe we felt that too. Maybe that's what we're struggling with. I mean, I, I felt that before. Several years ago, a Newsweek poll actually asked this question in the poll. And the question is, is God listening? This poll reported that 87% believe God answers their prayers some of the time. And then 13% polled said they lost faith because their prayers went unanswered. Perhaps you have a lot of unanswered prayers. I, I do. I, I have a lot. 
Maybe it, this is how you feel today. Maybe this is what someone you know is struggling with. And so in this question, these questions, in this series, I wanted to really equip you guys, not just to help you, but to be able to answer maybe other people who are asking these kinds of questions. So do you feel that? Do you feel like your faith is wearing thin? Do you feel like you're praying so hard, but how about this, yeah? It, things seem to be get, getting worse. You know, when I started praying, it just went downhill. Maybe I shouldn't have prayed at all. You ever thought that? And maybe you're sitting right here or you're connected online, and you're on the verge of just giving up on prayer. Ah, forget it, God. You're angry at God. Maybe you're getting bitter, like, God, I'm not going to pray to you anymore. You ever felt that, or maybe you're feeling that right now well how can we have faith how can we have hope in unanswered prayer well we're going to take a look here in god's word to find answers to this and the answer to the question why didn't god answer my prayers now i I had you turn to john chapter 11 and we're going to focus in on verse 21 but You know, as I was looking at this and going over this this morning, let's back up actually to verse 17. So if you have your Bibles, John 11, verse 17. It reads here, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem and about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She ran out of the house, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now look at verse 21. Martha said to to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, my brother would not have died. So we see the scenario, don't we? We understand the story. We know Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. We know, we know the ending of the story. But this is sort of the middle of the story as we come into here in verse 17. And we find when Jesus had arrived to where Mary and Martha live, had arrived where, where Jesus, I mean where Lazarus had been laying sick but died, Lazarus already had died. Now, we understand from this passage that uh, they, they had called, they had sent a messenger to Jesus to come because their brother, Lazarus, is sick. And so they're like, Jesus, come, come. They made a call out to them. They cried out. They sent a messenger. But in the earlier part of the passage here of this chapter, Jesus actually delayed. He didn't go right away. And what we read here, by the time he came in verse 17, well, Lazarus had already died. So Martha comes running out, meets Jesus, and she's basically here in verse 21, she's saying, if only you have answered our call, come right away, heal Lazarus, then he would still be alive. So you kind of understand where Martha is at right now. You understand her heart. This is unanswered prayer for her. 
Like you and I, I think Martha had enough faith to call on Jesus for help. And that's what we do in prayer, don't we? Uh, like when we're sick or we pray for those who are sick. Like you and I, Martha knew that God has the power. He has the power to change the situation, to do a miracle, to save their brother, Lazarus, from dying. Like you and I, I'm sure Martha's like, oh, God, why, why, why didn't you answer? Lord, why, why didn't you come sooner? Lord, you could have saved Lazarus from dying, our brother from dying. If only you would have come when I called you. If you only would have done and come what I asked you to do to come now. But as we understand this passage, the Lord has something different, right? The Lord has something different here. So that. The answer to this question, we're going to have actually three answers to this question. But the first answer to why didn't God answer my prayers? Number one, it could be that God did, did answer your cry, but it's different from what you are looking for. It could be that God did answer your cry, but it's different from what you are looking for. I mean... Jesus did come, right? Martha sent a messenger out. Jesus, you got to come. But Jesus came four days after Lazarus died. If you look at verse 17, we read, right? He had already been uh, uh, buried in the tomb for four days. Martha expected Jesus to what? Come right away, right? To come immediately. Jesus, if, if you look at uh, verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. That's like a, a, a day's journey. Easily he could have come right away. But Jesus waited. Jesus delayed. Jesus didn't come in the timing that Martha expected. But the thing is, Jesus did come but not when Martha wanted, and not in time to heal Lazarus. So it could be, many times in our prayers, that God did answer your cry, but it's different from what we expected. It's different from what we are looking for. Same with Martha. Jesus did answer her prayer, just in a different way from what she was thinking. Here's the thing. We have to be careful of our expectations, right? We have to be careful of, of what we're expecting God to do in our prayers. And maybe we voice it. Or maybe what we mean by when Martha call, sent the messenger for Jesus to come, maybe it's like, oh, go and get Jesus and bring him here right now. Well, for Martha, it's like, bring him here right now. Lazarus is dying. Come here before Lazarus dies. Sometimes I have conversation with my wife, and, and I only say so much, but she doesn't get what I'm saying, you know. And, and it's like, oh, I don't explain myself very well. Sometimes we're, we're like that with the Lord, but we, we think, well, God, you, you know my thoughts. You know my heart. Lord, why, why aren't you uh, answering it in the way I want? Well, we have to be careful of, of our expectations. You know why? Because even in prayer, even us crying out to the Lord, we have to let God be God in his answers. 
That's important. Someone said this, we dare not limit God in our asking nor in his answering. I like that. We believe God can do that. We believe God can do a miracle. He can heal. He can save. He can turn this situation around. He's powerful enough, so we call out to him, and and we know he is powerful. But at the same time, we don't want to limit him in the way he answers. Now, I want you to note a few things here. When it seems like God is not answering your prayers, it doesn't mean God is not with you. I want you to get that. It doesn't mean God is not with you. Here we see Jesus came right away. Well, not right away, but Jesus came to Martha, and he was there with Martha. Later, Mary comes out. So it doesn't mean that God is not with you. So understand that. If, if your, your prayer is not answered, if it's unanswered, understand Hebrews 13, 5, he will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't get that wrong. And another thing is this. When it seems like God is not answering your prayers, it doesn't mean God didn't hear you. God, are, are you hearing me now? Maybe you're too busy on the other side of the island. Maybe you're too busy hearing all these other prayers. Or maybe you feel like, oh God, maybe you don't listen to me. You know, I'm not, maybe I'm not as worthy as this other person. It's not that at all. Psalm 65 verse 2 says, O you who hear prayer, to you, sh- to you shall all flesh come. It's talking about that God hears all of our prayers. So understand now that just as a parent is attentive to the cries of their children, so is the Heavenly Father. He hears your prayer, a child of God. Now, God hears all of your prayers and and, and he does answer, for sure, your prayers. But let me give you this. He does answer in one of three ways. And you probably heard this before. God does answer your prayer, but in one of three ways. Number one, yes. Number two, no. And number three is wait. Yeah? Not now. For Martha and Mary, you know what? The answer was No, I'm not going to come right away. I'm not going to come and heal Lazarus from his sickness. Sort of a combo wait, too. But for them, it's like, no, I'm not coming. It was a no. Sometimes it's wait. Yeah, you're praying, praying, and God's like, oh, no, wait. Not right now. Not right now. I mean, to me, I think that can be more worse than a no. Yeah, at least no's you have some closure. But when it's wait, you're like, what, what? Oh, God, what? When God says yes, it's easy to have faith. Yes, Lord, I believe in you, right? When God says no, well, it can be hard to take. But as believers, we do surrender, right? It's not about me, God. It's about you. I'm gonna, uh, I know you have a plan or will, whatever that is. But when God says wait, it really tests your faith, doesn't it? Doesn't that? Maybe you're praying something right now and you're like, God, I don't hear a yes, I don't hear a no, and, and it's a way, but God, God, it's so hard to hang on right now. Is that where you're at? It's just so hard to hang on? Well, Lisa Turker said this, God loves us too much to answer our prayers at any other time than the right time. I like that, Right? 
God has his right timing in this. And so we have to trust the Lord in that right timing. I read about the wife of Billy Graham, uh, Ruth. She used to say, if God had answered every one of my prayers, I would have married the wrong man seven times. She went on to say, uh, she would come across a guy she wanted to marry, then another and another, but God would say, no, 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 no. But then after all those no's and all that waiting, all that delay, she saw Billy. She prayed again and God said, yep, that's the one. So we have to hang on in faith when God says, wait. We have to trust the Lord, right, with all of our hearts. Lean not to our own understanding, but commit our ways to him. That's what's important. And when it's hard, that's where we have to sit before the Lord and we have to come to him. We have to hold on in faith. So why didn't God answer my prayers? Well, number one, it could be that God did answer your cry, but it's different from what you are looking for. Here's a second answer. Why didn't God answer my prayers? Well, number two is it could be because your prayers come from the wrong heart. It could be that. Now, in our passage, I was thinking about this. In verse 19 that we read, it says that many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And then later, you can peek down in uh, verse 31. It says, when the Jews who were with her in the house, that's Mary, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Well, it was tradition back then that not only you have your family, not only you have those friends who mourn with you in the death of a loved one, but you also hire these professional mourners. That was just the way they did things. They would come in, play a a flute very dissonantly. They would actually weep very loudly and cry very loud. That was just the tradition in what they do. And, and I was thinking about that. I thought, well, some of these people that have come, I'm sure there's those who really cared about Lazarus. There's others, though, who really didn't. It was just a job. And maybe they were crying out to God. Maybe they, they, were, they were praying to the Lord. But it wasn't really real. It was, they were getting paid for it. And so sometimes our God will not heed our prayers um, because we're disrespecting him, basically. Uh, we read in the Bible, Scripture tells us, like God won't answer if you have unrepentive sin. Psalm 68, uh, 66.18 says, regard, regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. We see also, like with Israel, idolatry. The Lord told Israel because of idolatry, they're rejecting God. I will not listen when they call to me in time of trouble, Jeremiah 11.14. Uh, We see in Scripture, with pride, God won't heed the prayer, unbelief, unforgiveness in the heart. And even we see husbands uh, uh, should honor their wives, so it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, so their prayers may not be hindered. One of the biggest things, I think, is, is to ask to pray with a coveting heart. The King James Version says, we ask amiss. 
Listen to what the NLT, how the NLT puts it, James 4.3. And, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So it could be, why didn't God answer your, my prayers? It could be because your prayers come from the wrong heart. God, I, I want a new car. My Toyota's two years old, but I want a Mercedes. God, give it to me. How come you didn't give it to me? We, we understand that. We're like little children sometimes. I want this. I want that. But is it really right for us to have? A couple may ask blessing on their home, but if they're living together unmarried in sexual sin, will God really bless that? Just because you want it doesn't mean God is obligated to give it to you. Just because you pray it, does it mean God is obligated to give it to you? Is this how God works? I read about a boy in the fifth grade, and he was saying his prayer before bed, and he kept repeating, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. God, Tokyo, Tokyo, Tokyo. His father, walking by overhead, heard him and came in and asked him why he was praying Tokyo over and over. Well, the boy replied, because I think I gave the wrong answer on the test for the capital of Mexico. So I'm praying God would change it. I should have studied more. That's probably the real issue, right? Which makes me think about how we treat God sometimes. Yeah? How we treat Him like, well, if I pray, God has to give me. God has to answer. We ask, seek, knock, and He will, he will give me. What I ask for. Is, is that the God we follow? Or, or, or we say, um, if we say a prayer so many times, right? If we say it in the right way. If we repeat this prayer over and over and over. Then, then you know what? God, he's waiting for us to pray it a hundred thousand times and then he'll answer. No, it, it, God's not like this vending machine. Where if you put in the right change then he's going to answer your prayer. If you pray the right prayer, or if you, you, you pray so many times uh, repeating it, then you know what? God will answer. Jesus really spoke against this in Matthew 6, 7. This is the NLT. It says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. That's not our Lord. That's not our God. So that, even that is with the wrong heart. Even that, approaching God in that way, isn't right. Like, like oh, we're forcing him, right? Take note, though, as I'm saying this. In that waiting time, right? God could say yes. God could say no. Sometimes God says, wait, not now. In that waiting time, it is important to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep seeking, to keep covering that need in prayer. That's important. You know why? Because there's a battle going on. I think about in the book of Daniel in chapter 10, Daniel prayed, you know what, for three weeks for his answer to come. And when it finally came, and he was praying about the future of Israel, What's going to happen, Lord? And when the answer finally came, this high-ranking angel appeared to him and said, You know what? When you first started praying, I was dispatched to come to you. But 
I got into this battle, the prince of Persia, right? Uh, when we study that, we understand this high-ranking demon came against this angel, and, and, and they were fighting. They're in a battle. And so as Daniel prayed, he was literally battling on his knees as he continued to pray. At our men's fellowship, we talked about this. The last thing that Paul mentions after listing, listing the seven pieces of armor, you know what he puts in there? His sentence doesn't break too, but he gets in there in Ephesians 6. He says, praying in the spirit with perseverance for all the saints, for all the believers. So sometimes in that delay, yes, we need to keep praying. We need to keep going to God. We need to battle in prayers. So with all of that said, though, where's your prayers coming from? Is it a wrong motive in your heart? Is it more about you than God? And I think that's what it comes down to if you want to really differentiate. Is it more about you or is it about God's glory. I mean, I mean, if you really come to the core of everything, of what you pray about, and yes, there's valid needs. Yes, there's things that uh, we intercede for one another. And yes, you're going through stuff that you, that you need help from God. But ultimately, we need to come to a place where it's about God and not us. You know, when Jesus prayed to the Father in the next chapter, John chapter 12, verse 28, he didn't pray to be saved from the cross, from the suffering and the horrible death he was going to experience. No, you know what he prayed? Father, glorify your name. See, it's not so much about getting from God, but it's about glorifying God. Put that into your heart. Not about getting so much. Yes, we have real needs. That's all right. But in, ultimately, it's about glorifying God, that God would be glorified. If, if my lack gives God glory, so be it. If, if my sickness gives God glory, so be it. If my loss, my pain somehow gives God glory, so be it. Which leads us to the third answer. Why didn't God answer my prayers? I mean, it could be, number one, God did answer your cry, but it, it's different from what you're looking for. Or it could be because, well, uh, it, it, your prayer came from the wrong heart. But here's number three. Why didn't God answer my prayers? Number three is this. It could be that your prayer, that your request does not align with God's plan and purpose. It could be that your request does not align with God's plan and purpose. Skip over here in John chapter 11 to verse 38. We read here, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. I always remember the old King James. He stinketh, right? No, Lord, it's been four days. The body's decaying, right? Jesus said to her, 
Did I not tell you that if you believed, you will see what? The glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out, cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So here Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. I like some commentators say when Jesus said with a loud voice, he shouted out, Lazarus, come, come out. If, if Jesus didn't name Lazarus, then a whole bunch of people would have come out of the grave, right? <laughs> like some commentators said that. And here's Lazarus coming out, still bound. I think he's like hopping. But Lazarus has been raised from the dead. He is alive. So God is glorified here when Lazarus was raised from the dead by the power of Jesus. Though Jesus did not do what was expected, right? Mary, you should have came down, should have healed him before he died. There was another plan in play. There was another purpose that would give God great glory and that everyone would see that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the powerful one, proving Jesus is Christ. So whether it's that delay in coming or the no in healing a sick, sick man, God here wanted to do something bigger, right? You see this. Andrew Murray said this, Be assured that if God waits longer than you could wish, it is only to make the blessing doubly precious. I love that. Where are you today? Are you in this delay place? It seems like a no. Are you in the middle of this situation and suffering? You're wondering, God, I feel like you don't hear me. I feel like my, my prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing down. God, are you really there? No, he is there. God, God, God what, what's going on here? Well, God is doing something bigger. Remember, we've been talking about this many times in our other messages in this series, right? Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who, who love God and are called according to his purposes. All is all. All things, even in the worst of situations, it, Lazarus died. Jesus didn't come when, and heal him when uh, what was expected. Even in this worst of times, oh, God did something even bigger and greater in glorifying Jesus. We've been learning, haven't we, that we live in a fallen world. And as fallen beings living with other fallen beings, things happen. A lot of things happen. But God is sovereign. And he will use all these things. What happened in Lahaina? Even the loss of life there. Even how hard that is. Even, even how painful that is. There's something God wants to do. And that's been my prayer. God, even how, how tragic that is, God, will you be glorified in some way, somehow? As I mentioned, I think last week, um, I forget now, but uh, 
uh, Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, the chaplains, they're handing us their contact sheets of those they have prayed with for salvation or rededication of life. So even through this, even up here, up country, to the loss of their homes, people are coming to salvation. And I'm not minimizing the loss at all. But some way, somehow, God is turning things around for His glory. And that's what we got to hold on to, you guys. That God is working some plan. No matter how hard, no matter the pain, no matter that some way, somehow, God is working something for good and His glory here. And we got to hang on in faith. I want you to look back here like, to verse, well, 21, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, why didn't you come? How come you didn't answer our cry? How come you didn't answer prayer? But look at verse 22 now. Martha says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So Martha still had enough faith to think, well, God, or or Jesus, God's going to hear you. So do something. Work something out here. I'm not sure what it is. So there was enough faith in her to, to believe in that. And then look what Jesus says now. He says in verse 23, Jesus said to your brother, he, he will rise again. And Martha's like, well, yeah, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last days. That, yeah, we're, we're all going to die, but one day we're going to rise up and go to heaven. That's what she's talking about. But Jesus said, wait, listen to what I'm saying. I am the resurrection in life, verse 25. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. In verse 26, and everyone who lives believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus was challenging Martha to rest her faith in what Jesus is saying. God is challenging Martha to, to rest her faith in his word. In what And today, God challenges us to rest our faith in the promise of God's word. What may seem like a denial or no or wait, we have to believe that God is working his loving, wise, sovereign, and great plan, you guys. We have to believe that. I mean, Jesus, he's, he's looking forward, right? Or not looking forward, but looking to, yeah, ahead, his death on the cross. So he knows that his death, horrible thing, dying, suffering, it's going to be super painful, but he knows there's a greater plan in this. He knows that. So he's saying, look, Martha, will you believe? I'm the resurrection from the dead. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And when I rise again, it's going to make way for salvation for everybody. Do you believe this? Do you believe I'm the Messiah? Do you believe that I've come for this? See, God did send Jesus to the cross. And in an act of love, Jesus died for our sins. And this was his wisdom. God's plan in his wisdom made this before the foundation of the world. He had this plan already. That once and for all, our sins would be forgiven and atoned for 
through the death of Christ on the cross. And then sin would, would, would be given a death blow. And the consequences of sin to those who believe were given a death blow. And then for you and I, we could come to Christ and here's our holy, righteous God can actually forgive us and not hold that sin against us. We don't have to live in that every day thinking that, oh, God, this is happening because, Lord, uh, I, I blew it over here or I did this. No, Christ's blood covers all your sin. And so God has this tremendous plan to use all that because of love so that we would have salvation. So Jesus saying, look, do you believe this? Will you believe that I will rise again from the dead? Will you, do you believe? Joni Erickson Tata said, God sometimes permits what he hates to accomplish, or God sometimes permits what he hates to accomplish, what he loves. So if you can understand this truth, then you can have faith that even in times of unanswered prayers, we can find hope. We can find praise to the Lord. Jesus said to Martha, do you believe this where there's no hope? Do you believe this where there's no answer, where there's no help, where there's no way, no remedy, no solution, when there's nobody? Will you believe Jesus today can make a way when you can't see it? Understand what's going on here. Jesus is shifting Martha's focus from the loss and pain of her brother, whom she loves, Lazarus. Shifting her focus from that. Shifting her focus from the grief, from the problems, from, from all the despair and hopelessness. Shifting her focus from that to him. To Jesus. To Jesus himself. And that's what we do. We look at God, who he is, what the word of God tells us. We look at his character, his wisdom, his power. We don't understand it all, but we do know for fact what the Bible tells us about God. We know he loves us. He cares for us. And we know he's working something then. Turn over to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. Psalm 13. David was in a place of wondering, God, where, where are you? David was in a place of waiting on the Lord and wondering, is this a no? And he wrote this in, in Psalm 13. He said, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You ever felt like that? God, I I feel forgotten. How long will you hide your face from me? Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Verse 3, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But then David says this in verse 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast 
love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Did you see where David's focus shifted from? He was, he was overwhelmed with God, how long do I got to wait for you? It, my prayer is unanswered. All this stuff is going on. This enemy is, a, is going after me. It's pressing down hard. But suddenly his focus shifted to God, to the Lord, his love. I will rejoice. I know you're going to save me. I will sing then because I know he has dealt bountifully with me. Then else. I think as the NLT said, he has been good to me. I know you have been good to me in the past. So I know you're going to take care of me now and in the future with what's coming. Do you understand? We need to shift our focus in times like this. An unanswered prayer. And no matter what, we want God to be glorified, even if it means our own suffering. But even in that, we know God has some great plan because we know who he is. And because of that, we can still rejoice. Habakkuk 3, verse 17. I've been thinking of this for weeks. Habakkuk 3, let me read it to you. Verse 17, 18, and 19. It says, Though the fig tree shall, should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God is the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me tread on high places. Isn't that amazing? That we can still worship God. That we can still rejoice in the Lord, even in the midst of all this that is going on. Why? Because of God and who He is, because of our faith, because of our hope in Him, because God has always persevered in our lives to work the good, to work His glory in our lives. And we can have that faith and hold on, even when we don't understand why our prayers are unanswered. I'll close with this. I came across this poem and basically as a prayer by Ruth Bell Graham. And she wrote this and I, I have it put on your screen so you can kind of see it and, and meditate on it. But she wrote this. I lay my whys before your cross in worship kneeling. My mind too numb for thought. My heart beyond all feeling. And worshiping I realize that I, in knowing you, don't need a why. Isn't that great? That's where God wants to bring us. Hold to these things, knowing who your God is, and give the Lord, you know what, worship like never before. Even in the midst of what you're going through, even in the midst of the suffering and pain, Will you cry out and say, yet I will rejoice in you. Yet I will worship you, Lord. Even in your tears. Even in the sorrow. That you will worship him like never before. 
It's hard. But that's what we do. Because we believe in our Lord God. We believe in Jesus. That's what we do when tragedy strikes a fallen world. Let's pray. God, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of loss and pain, God, when, when we feel like we're, we're, we're in the ocean, barely staying up, when we feel like we're going to drown any minute, God, let us look to you. Let us reach out to you and worship. Let us understand that you are here, that you will not let us sink, that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us, that you hear our prayers and sometimes they're yes, sometimes they're no, sometimes they're wait, sometimes they're keep praying. In the midst of all this, God, may we not look at the wind and the waves, but may our eyes be locked on you, Jesus. May our eyes be lifted up, Lord, to you, to above where you sit, Lord, on the throne of heaven, sovereignly ruling in all power and might, orchestrating the world and our lives and each one of us and personally involved in our lives to work your good and glory. God, may our eyes be put upon you because in you we can walk on water like Peter did. And God... I need to walk on water. I'm sinking. God, there's people here right now. We want to walk on water. There's people here that want to walk on water. There's some connected online that, 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 God, help us. Reach out. Pull us up. Lord, may we put our eyes and focus upon you and walk on water, Lord. Strengthen us today. May we find hope. May we find peace in you. May your spirit right now come upon us and energize, empower us, Lord, with these words, God, that we have studied today. Lord, we feel like Martha and Mary coming in here. But, Lord, may we leave here seeing Lazarus resurrected. May we see our hope resurrected in you because you have the power. You are the resurrection in life. And you can give life to us even in the midst of all that's going on. And Lord, as you give us hope, as your spirit gives us peace, as you empower us, Lord, give us joy, please. Give us joy. We know joy is our strength. And we don't have it in ourselves. But if you could just take one drop of joy from heaven and and drop it into us. God, we know we can get through today. We can get through tomorrow. We can get through the next day. We can get through the next week. We can get through this time as we go through the valley of shadow of death, Lord. We will feel no evil because you are with us and you're leading us. So help us today to navigate, God. Help us, Lord. Lead us to navigate through these troubled waters. But God, let the wind of your spirit fill our sails that we may get through to the other side. And Lord, as we realize our eyes have been taken off of you, Lord, and they've been really focused on the wrong thing, let us focus and put our attention on your word and who you are. And God, help us, show us 
lead us to that place where you are, Lord, that we may worship you and worship you, seeing you like we've never seen you before and worship you like we've never worshiped before. In Jesus' name, amen.